Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. What's up and welcome inside Studio 34. This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Greg Sussman is still rehabbing from the flu right now as we speak. But I'm here, Frank Stanfield, at Roto underscore Frank on Twitter. Join, as always, as always this week, seems like always, by my good buddy, Fantasy Taz, Jim Day. Jim, as always, how are you doing and uh, how did you sleep last night? Hey, I'm doing great, Frank. Uh, great Frank and... Uh... Yeah, my, my sleep is interrupted these days. Uh, too too much stuff going on in my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I hope it's nothing like, you know, I hope it's not like Corey who's in your head, you know. Oh, God. Uh, no. Causing you to lose some <laughs> sleep at night. You know, you just, you know, oh, uh, Corey, you know, tossing back and forth. And uh, Corey said this, Corey said that. Mount Rushmore this, Mount Rushmore that. Uh, I, hope it's, I hope it's not Corey that's keeping you up at night, Jim. Yeah, no. <laughs> not Corey. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, got a lot of responses yesterday uh, in terms of when I asked people, you know, what do, what do you want us to be talking about now in the month of January? You know, when we're talking about like the Cam Newton injury for next year, still very early. Whether you want to hear more NBA content, you want to he- you want us to start, you know, dipping our toes a little bit into baseball. So we did uh, we did get a lot of feedback. I appreciate everyone reaching out and and giving me that. I think starting next week, hopefully. Greg Sussman will be returned by then. Uh, not that I don't love doing a show with Jim, because I do. Uh, but I think once Greg is back, we'll do a segment per day highlighting a baseball move that has happened in the offseason and how it affects fantasy baseball. So James Paxton to the Yankees, what it means for fantasy baseball, value up or down, guys like Paul Goldschmidt going to the Cardinals, uh, Yasmani Grandal going to the Milwaukee Brewers. So we'll kind of do like one player per day or like one move that has happened throughout the offseason just to kind of like, all right, slowly get ourselves back into get back into the, the baseball spirit, Jim, because before you know it, the middle of February, we got pitchers and catchers reporting uh, about a month away from now. Uh, before you know it, it'll, it'll, it'll be close to baseball season. We'll have spring training, all these things happening. I did want to ask you, are you far into the, the, the black book, the fantasy baseball black book? Uh, is there anything that you've learned to this point? Uh, is, do you have any questions? I, I'd be happy not, to help not, you. Not yet. I am still getting into it. I don't usually like to derive questions until I've read it through at least one full time, and then I start going through it again, and then I start putting down questions that I'll have for people, and I'm sure I'll ask you guys plenty. Uh, but, you know, first time around, I just like to read it. Uh, I usually highlight some things that I think are important. Then I go through the entire book, and then I'll go back and do it again. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, as far as NBA content, I, I have no problem working uh, some NBA into the show as well. I will, you know, kind of shameless plug here, throw this out there. Uh, later on this afternoon, 
every Thursday we've been doing this, uh, but today we're actually doing an, uh, an even longer version. Uh, we're extending the show an hour and a half. We do the FNTSY hour on the NBA's Twitch channel. So if you go to twitch.tv slash NBA, uh, from 4.30 to 6 p.m. this afternoon, you'll catch myself, Maria Marino, and Royce King. Uh, really, you know, fun baseball, uh, basketball minds here. We'll talk about the latest, like, James Harden is on, like, one of the tears of the century, Jim. And, you know, you don't even have to be a basketball fan. You just go on Twitter, and you see what's going on right now. It's insane. The guy has scored over 55 points, real-life NBA points, in back-to-back games. This is something that has only been done one other time in the NBA, and it was by Will Chamberlain. Mind you, the same Will Chamberlain that was playing back then when, you know, he's seven foot, everyone around him is not even close to that, and there was no three-second violation. So, you know, he was the only other person to do that. The run that James Harden is on right now for NBA purposes is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, his price was up to 14000 yesterday on FanDuel, and I ended up not playing him. I ended up not cashing him, uh, ca- cashing last night, and... and Slightly because I didn't use Harden, but I don't know that I've seen really in any sport a player kind of take over like this for a DFS perspective and their price get to the point where I question it, but he's still meeting value. It, it, it's crazy, Jim. I, I don't know if you've seen at all what's going on in the NBA well, with James I, Harden. I, I do know that he's only the fifth player in NBA history uh, that over his last 20 games is averaging over 40 points a game. Uh, so he's only the fifth player in NBA history to ever do that. So he's definitely on a good stretch right now. And but the guy's always been a baller. It's just you know they're really starting to hit him now. Um, but you know, hey, look when when it comes down to it, you know he's still got a long way to go to catch Will Chamberlain. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, but when it comes to just you know getting back to the NBA, look this afternoon, go check it out. Twitch.tv slash NBA. Or if you have you know, an Xbox or wherever you stream on, uh, make sure you download Twitch and you watch us there. We'll play Fantasy Feud. We'll talk about fantasy basketball content. We'll talk about like the latest storylines, DeMarcus Cousins coming back. So um, yeah, I'm really excited about Cousins coming back to the NBA as well, especially with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, last night, Draymond Green after the game said, quote, all hell is about to break loose. There's a lot going on in the NBA right now. Uh, we might work more of that into the show moving forward, but please make sure if you want some NBA content, we'll be doing that later on today. And just just for all these young guys, the neophytes that are in our chat room, if they don't mm-hmm. understand what I meant about Will Chamberlain, you know, James Harden has 20 games in a row of 40-plus. Uh, Rick Barry was second with 22. Kobe Bryant was next with 23. Elgin Baylor has 33. Will Chamberlain had 515 Consecutive games averaging 40 points a game. Oh, my 515. God. So you want to talk about a team, a player playing? Man, if DFS was around in Wilt's day, man, I don't care how much you could have charged for him. Everybody would have been going for him. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, honestly, I kind of thought that you were getting into, like, something off the court, too, because, you know, I've kind of heard some stories about guys from back in the day, like Will Chamberlain, like, oh, James Harden's got a long way to go in terms of, uh, you know, reaching Will Chamberlain's uh, potential. Wow, way, way, going, way, to, way to go into the gutter there, Frank. <laughs> I expect that from Corey, not from you. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I got to mix it up a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> Sex sells, Jim. I, you know, I got to gotta work it in some way, somehow. Um, hey, hey, I only charge by a pound <laughs> oh Jim oh Jim uh, for the for the rest of today though we uh, I want to get into some of these new offensive coordinator hires some really interesting stuff here um, 
going on in the NFL. Uh, we'll have Dr. A of Inside Injuries the next segment. Jim will hop off for that segment. Then we'll get Jim back again in the final segment uh, where we'll just kind of like wrap up this mock draft. We did the first three rounds yesterday. Uh, we might just get into like rounds four, five, and six a little bit in the final segment. But I did want to talk about some of these uh, some of these OC hires, Jim, in the NFL. The Lions, they let go. Uh, it was kind of like a mutual parting of the ways with Jim Bob Cooter at the end of the season. His contract was up. They opted not to bring him back. Uh, Matthew Stafford, under Jim Bob Cooter every year, except this year really, Stafford had been playing well. But it's very clear that uh, the direction that they want to go in with Matt Patricia is they want to play defense. Mind you, they still do need a defense, right? Like he wants to, he basically wants to be Rex Ryan's Jets. Like he wants to play defense. He wants to be a smash-mouth football team. He wants to run the football. Well, there might not be a better OC to bring in than Daryl Bevel, former OC of the Seattle Seahawks. Look, he took a lot of criticism for the Super Bowl, not running the ball with Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line, and rightfully so, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in Super Bowl history. But in terms of regular season output, and this comes per our guy Michael Florio on Twitter, he tweeted this out yesterday. Under Bevel, the Seahawks never finished higher than 16th in pass attempts uh, while he was the OC of the Seahawks, they finished top three in rushing attempts four different times. So I'm seeing this, Jim, and I'm thinking a huge arrow up for on Johnson uh, with Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay trending downwards. No, I, I agree with you. I, absolutely. Uh, to Marvin Jones as well. Uh, you know, look, it, at this point, it, it really is going to be the same thing that we saw this year. They're going to run the ball heavily. That's what Patricia wants, uh, you know, Cooter didn't want that, and that's why he's out, and I'm sure he's happy about that because they weren't running kind of offense he wants to run anyway. Um, you know, this is a good hire for what Patricia wants to do. I just don't know how long Patricia's going to be there to do it because this, this, this team doesn't have a good enough defense to be that type of team where they can dominate a game with their defense and running game. They just don't have the defense to do it. So I, I don't think this plan is going to work. We're going to see another off season, and you know a lot of uh, a lot of the offensive players uh, on Detroit are going to fall in in fantasy drafts. There's no doubt in my mind, uh, especially on the passing side. Carry on Johnson, you know he's definitely going to get a little bit of a lift, but it's still going to come at what cost? How how many plays are they going to be able to run a game if they can't p- pass successfully and don't even try? Yeah, I think that makes sense, Jim. Look, I have I'm skeptical about their defense as well, and the Lions organization. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think this is an organization that goes out and spends a lot of money in free agency either. So they haven't been able to draft a lot of uh, great defensive players. I mean, Indomitian Sue was awesome when he was there. He was also a head case, and there's a reason why he's not with the, the Detroit Lions anymore. But they really haven't they haven't done a great job. Like they've hit on a few guys. They got Darius Slay, but. They don't they don't spend a lot in free agency, right? So like I don't I don't know that the defense is gonna like have this big turnaround where I'm with you. I don't know that they could just play ball control and like run the football a lot. I will say this, Jim, I love their offensive line coming into the year because they've invested in the offensive line. They have spent a little bit there on the offensive line, and in terms of drafting, they've they've invested in the offensive line. So I think that makes sense. Like if they want to kind of go you know, what the Dallas Cowboys have been doing the past three years with with Dak Prescott and the O line and Zeke. And, you know, maybe don't expose your defense by having them on the field that much. If that's what they're trying to do, I get it, but I still see a lot of holes in that defense. They don't spend a lot of money, right? No, they don't spend a lot of money. And the other side of that coin is, you know, how will, how will they fare if they get behind? Um, you know, will they 
at that point turn to Stafford and say, save us and try and win this game? Or do, do they still try to grind it out on the ground? You know, in this in today's NFL, this is not working. Uh, you know, the defenses that played, teams that played all the great def- defense this year, none of them made it to this place. Uh, the top four teams are the top four scorers of the season. And there's a reason for that. The NFL is changing. And teams that don't change with that go by the wayside way too quickly. Moving on, Jim, uh, that was one OC hire that we had yesterday. Daryl Bevel with the Detroit Lions. Also, another interesting one here. The Broncos named Rich Scangerello, new OC uh, for their team, respect team. I find this one interesting because he's never called plays at the NFL level. Now, he has called plays in college, and he's he was just the 49ers quarterbacks coach uh, working with Kyle Shanahan as well. So, again, we're seeing another guy who hasn't necessarily done it at the NFL level, but because he has ties to a guy like Kyle Shanahan, he lands an OC job here with the Denver Broncos. I just found it interesting because, again, he's never called plays at the NFL level, but Vic Fangio is a defensive-minded head coach. I thought that they would have brought in a guy with a little more experience, but, again, this is you know them trying to do something a little bit differently here. And to be fair, his work with the San Francisco 49ers, what he's been able to get out of their quarterbacks the past couple of years, whether it was you know Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, Gucci Garoppolo, Chris Ventra's guy. Last year, the final six, seven games, he was awesome. And in this year, the combination of you know Nick Mullins and pretty much whoever else they threw out there, it was formidable. Like, he's done a good job as the quarterback's coach there. So, uh, you know, what did you think about this hire? Did it surprise you that they bring in a guy who hasn't called plays yet at the NFL level? Sure, a little bit. Uh, but, you know, again, this is this is a guy who's, you know, we're talking about a lot lately of the Sean McVay tree. Well, you know, Kyle Shanahan tree is going to have its own fruit real soon, and this is going to be one of them. Like you said, he did a good job in San Fran with all the injuries they had, uh, kept those quarterbacks playing well. I'd like to see what he does at this level. And don't forget, you know, he's got a really good guy working behind him that should be able to help him a lot if he's got any questions, and that's Mike Monkjack, who's on there, who's now their offensive line coach. We're talking about a guy who does have head coaching uh, experience and been in this league for a while. So, you know, if Scandrello has any issues at all, I'm sure Mike Munchak is going to be there to help him. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, Munchak here has some experience at the NFL level. So, yeah, they can bounce ideas off of each other. I just, I just thought it was worth mentioning, uh, especially what he's done. Again, that group included Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Beathard, Brian Boyer, Nick Mullins. Over the past two years with the San Francisco 49ers, they ranked 10th in passing yards per game. Uh, the collective group, collective group also completed 60.8% of their passes. That was per DenverBroncos.com. Scangerello is 46 years old. He does have 24 years of coaching experience. I call plays at the collegiate level. It'll be interesting to see what they do, whether they... I think that they'll be in the market to draft a quarterback. That guy, that quarterback, I can see, you know, sitting be uh, sitting behind Case Keenum for a year. Again, they signed Keenum to a two-year contract, so uh, and a, a pretty lucrative contract over two years. So he, I think he's going to start and at least play the majority of this year. And I think they'll kind of draft a quarterback and, and let that quarterback learn under. Uh, under Case Keenum and obviously uh, Scangerello, what he's done at being a quarterback's coach. Uh, but to be fair, and John Elway deserves all the criticism, Jim, they have not been able to draft quarterbacks. Like, yeah, you oh. brought in Peyton Manning, but like Paxton Lynch was a disaster. I know they drafted like a few seventh round guys like Brock Osweiler. Everything else outside of Peyton Manning has been a disaster in Denver. 
No, totally agree. I'm not a John Elway fan in the front office. He has not not shown me he can evaluate talent at all, especially at the quarterback position, which if you have to find out seeing as he's a former quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with that. The one thing I will say, don't be surprised if they make a, an effort to uh, try and trade for Nick Mullins. Um, Scandrell yeah, did sense. good work with him. They, they know each other quite well. And Scandrell loves this kid. He, he thinks he's one of the smartest guys that step on a football field. Uh, he knows the game so well, and he studies so hard and works so hard. So Scandrell really likes him. Don't be, as, don't be uh, you know, I, I just think it's a really good possibility they go out and try and get Nick Mullins in the offseason. And while he may start out, you know, backing up Keenum, if Keenum falters again this year like he did last year, don't be surprised if they make that change. Yeah, I think that's a great point because I do think Nick Mullins can land somewhere as a starting quarterback with Jimmy G expected back with the San Francisco 49ers. Real quick, Jim, we only have about 30 seconds left. John Filippo hired as the Jaguars OC, the former OC of the Vikings. We know he was fired midseason. Is this a ploy to get Nick Foles because they work together in Philadelphia? Might very well be. I just don't think it's a good fit. You don't think it's a good fit. Nick Foles with the Jacksonville Jaguars could very well be exposed. Jim's going to hop off here. We'll get Dr. A of Inside Injuries coming up next here on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 Scout Fantasy Sports I didn't play too much tonight, but I did get him in one of the lineups just in case. You know, the Thunder Hawks, that's an interesting game with a high over-under of 234 and a half. Uh, as that should be a high-paced game. And, of course, Warriors-Nuggets tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Golden State in Denver, favored by one and over-under of 228. Maybe that game goes a little bit underlooked as well. Nikola Jokic is just playing great basketball right now. Weekdays on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and on popular podcast providers. Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Frank Stample here. Jim Day had to hop off because we have to welcome in the sweet sounds of 
the doc. Make sure you're following at Inside Injuries on Twitter to get the latest updates. I've actually turned on the notifications. Whenever Inside Injuries is tweeting something out, I get it directly to my phone uh, to know the latest of what's going on in the world of football, basketball, baseball, whatever it might be. They have the latest. Doc, I'm uh, I'm interested to see what's going on today with your video because I did get a little update uh, during the break. Uh, whether you're blue, you're black and white, uh, whatever color you are, it doesn't matter because you're here and you're here to help us. <laughs> That's right. I think we. Uh, oh, you look great. Not, I'm in color. I'm you in look, color. You look great, Doc. How's everything going? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I actually wore all white because just in case I was in black and white, it looked better. But now I'm in color, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Finally figuring it out here. Uh, looking great. Greg Sussman scribbled out here on the lower. They're trying to get rid of my man. Uh, you know, Doc, maybe I, we should get some kind of uh, diagnosis from you reg- uh, revolving Greg. He's dealing with the flu. Do you have any, uh, you know, any advice for Greg right now? Uh, you know, Greg needs to take a lot of fluids and needs to take 400 milligrams of ibuprofen every six hours. That's, that, that's what he has to do. And, and then just suck it up. <laughs> and suck it up. There you go. And I see Greg in the chat, so uh, hopefully uh, he will take your advice uh, because we yeah. know that he needs it. Doc, let's move on here. We don't have a lot yep. of injuries this weekend specifically, so we'll touch on one uh, revolving around the Chiefs and the Patriots yep. game, but then we'll talk about some other uh, NFL players, what what their prognosis is looking like uh, heading into next season and the offseason, and then we'll get into a little bit of basketball stuff as well. The biggest injury on the offensive side of the football uh, for the Chiefs this weekend, and I'm not sure it really matters for Damian Williams. He'll probably be the lead dog no matter what. But what's going on with Spencer Ware? At this point, is it just they're keeping him out because Damian Williams has been so good? It seems like he's been out for like the past five or six weeks with this hamstring injury. Is his, is he healthy enough to return and they're just kind of keeping him out right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, this injury uh, specifically, he by January 15th is when we projected him to be back uh, healed from this particular injury. Um, unfortunately, that does not put him back up to peak health. It puts him up to above average at 73%. He's going to need probably some more time off, which he's not going to get. Uh, theoretically, because now they're, you know, deep into the playoffs. And so, you know, this is the best he's going to get. He's at 73%. So taking Spencer Ware at 73%, you know, it's above average. I mean, I think a lot of guys would probably take him at 73%, but his injury risk is 23%. So, I mean, he's one and a quarter almost uh, from an injury risk standpoint. So, you know, one way or the other, I think uh, um, the fact that this is one game, this is not across five games, this injury risk and so the point is is that if you have Spencer Ware at 73% at above average and 81% is peak for us you know he's probably a guy you want to get and you want to start you heard, it, you heard it there from Dr. A you know naturally Doc I'm kind of just like a skeptic when I see a player uh, kind of get Wally pipped so to speak uh, I'm what I think is you know, this guy, uh, Damian Williams is performing so well that, you know, maybe they didn't need Spencer Ware, but it turns out, uh, you know, based on the algorithms from inside injuries that, you know, Spen- uh, Spencer Ware has actually needed this much time. So that is worth mentioning. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he does suit up this weekend. Uh, also, Darrell Williams, the backup, has played well yeah. for the Chiefs as well. So, you know, they haven't necessarily needed Spencer Ware. That's, uh, that's the main point here. Doc, I wanted to ask you about Cam Newton. Dealing with this shoulder injury right now, and I don't, I don't really know the specifics, so I'll let you get into that. Uh, but there was an interesting quote from the owner that says, Cam Newton could basically sit out a season next year. Uh, it was something along the lines of, 
if he can sit out a year and come back in 2020 and be fully healthy rather than, you know, constantly playing with the risk in 2019, why wouldn't we do that? Now, that was basically what the owner said about Cam Newton. Is this something to the level of the Andrew Luck situation, too? Like, how worried should we be about Cam Newton for the, for the 2019 season? I think you should be very, very worried. I mean, this is we talked about this before this last season, is that when you have a torn rotator cuff and a throwing shoulder and a mobile quarterback, um, it really, really impacts them. Now, this is a rotator cuff injury. This is not a labral tear. Now, there could be a labral tear as well as a rotator cuff. We don't know until we actually, you know, uh, they're keeping it very, very hush-hush. But we do know that the basic primary problem is different than Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck had a really bad labral uh, issue going on. And Cam Newton has a bad rotator cuff issue going on. Both of them are equally as important. However, um, you know, I am very, very skeptical that he will play any more than 30 percent of the 19 season. And, and well, he may come back earlier, but he will be phys- another year older, another year with all of the, you know, sort of uh, um, games that he's played. Uh, he really, really is skeptical in, in our books at Inside Injuries to uh, play uh, the full season in 19. Definitely half the season is something that we're predicting that he'll probably miss. He should, because in order to repair this properly, you do require almost a year of rest and healing because the rotator cuff on the throwing shoulder, um, all it takes is one little tweak and one little tear. It starts sort of the you know dominoes to fall. And so you do need a lot of rest to heal that thing structurally um especially on the throwing arm so the owner actually sentiments were you know in line with kind of what they were thinking but the likelihood of that cam newton does not play a single game and take a single snap in 19 is likely not going to happen because of the way he is and the way you know etc so you know the likelihood is probably uh half to three quarters of the season he may miss you're listening to Dr. A of Inside Injuries, and, and it's great to get your perspective on the matter here, Doc, because you know yesterday, Jim Day and myself were kind of just speculating on what could be, but it's, re- it's awesome to hear like your professional opinion um, regarding Cam Newton that you know he could potentially miss half the season, and that's something that's looking more and more likely. Again, you know, it's only January 17th. We have you know, the entire offseason program and, and training camp, so on and so forth, but uh, you answered one of my questions that I had there regarding you know, the rotator cuff versus the labrum, which, you know, Andrew Luck versus Cam Newton, they're both equally important, uh, but it does look like Cam Newton is going to miss significant time in the 2019 season. Uh, Doc, I wanted to ask you about Will Fuller. You know, the more we hear about the medicine and the technology that we have recovering from ACLs, it makes you... You don't want to... You don't feel good about a player coming off an ACL. Like, ideally, if you're deciding between you know, two players, you might go in a different direction from a guy who's recovering from an ACL injury. But with the medicine that we have now, um, you know, these guys are coming back sooner and sooner. Like the timetable for Will Fuller that I've seen is anywhere from like six to nine months. Now he did tear his his ACL on uh, October 25th. That was right after week eight against the Miami Dolphins. Do we expect him to be fully recovered by the time, you know, training camp is opening up in July, August, come that time? 
Um, so May 7th is when he, it looks like he'll be recovered from this ACL with some limited uh, rehabilitation. Um, you know, he'll probably start to get on the field again, meaning in terms of a very, very light practice workout, uh, probably in the gym and practice facility. Pro we're projecting right around the second week of May. Um, now, from that point forward, um, you know, it could take another two months for him to completely uh, get back into playing speed. And so we're looking at mid-July to end of July, likely early August, where he had, without any setbacks, and the surgery went well, uh, theoretically, um, and not a lot of post-operative issues, uh, we, we, we do expect him to be back in full strength in the beginning of August. So, you know, um, the fact that it's an ACL repair, it's very good because uh, the technology and the recovery of ACL now is uh, very, very good. And so that's what we're projecting. It's probably going to be a end of July, early August uh, timetable. That's great news for Will Fuller owners in Keeper or Dynasty Leagues, especially for Deshaun Watson and the rest of the pass catchers for the Texans because I've said this before, I do think the Texans have one of the best trios when these guys are healthy. Kiki QT dealt with a lot of hamstring injuries this year, so hopefully he can you know get over that heading into next year. But the combination of DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and Kiki QT, just with Hopkins and Fuller on the outside, what they're able to do, and then Kiki in the slot, I think that would be one of the best trios in the NFL, you know, close to the levels of a team like the Los Angeles Rams who have Cooks and Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Woods. And speaking of Cooper Cup, I just wanted to get an update on him as well. Is it kind of a similar situation like we expect him to be ready uh, come, the, uh, come July, August? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, um, you know, a complete ACL tear and a wide receiver, same position. So, yeah, it's very, very similar. The only other issue is that he had a grade two MCL injury on the same knee. And so that may delay his recovery uh, because of that, because uh, he's had multiple repeated injuries on that same knee and other ligaments. Um, but, um, you know, the optimal recovery time for an ACL tear like this is right around 30 two weeks, uh, eight months, and then you have to go through a couple of months of rehabilitation. So yes, probably around uh, the middle to end middle to end of July is what we're looking at for Cooper Cup. Speaking with Dr. A of Inside Injuries, Doc, I want to put the wide receivers behind us here. I want to get back to the quarterback position. Uh, just talking about Carson Wentz, you know, what was the final injury that he was dealing with? I know it was something to do with his back. I feel like, uh, you know, he had like some like fractures, micro fractures, something going on in his back. Uh, is this something that's going to linger long term or do, do we expect them to be all right for 2019? Yeah, you know, this is a fractured vertebra. Um, and so, the, um, you know, all those blocks on your spine that protect the spinal cord, um, there's a fracture of, it's probably a very minor fracture of the top part of one of the vertebra. Um, but let alone, it's very difficult in a young person to really, really fracture that vertebra. So, you know, it's, it's um, you know, it's going to require a complete healing, which, you know, definitely needs at least, you know, 16 to 18 weeks of just, you know, not doing anything because you put so much stress on your back by doing anything in regards to athleticism. So, um, but if you, he also had a stress fracture in his back in college and then it's kind of, if it's kind of not clear if that was also with the vertebra, etc. but you remember, uh, Greg, I've always talked about when a player has a one injury on one extremity and, uh, it kind of causes issues in other parts of the body because the mechanics and the forces are thrown off. 
Well, this fracture may have been because of um, the ability to not completely step into a throw, and he's throwing a lot from the heel or the middle of his uh, stance, and you put a lot of pressure on your back that way. Now, could that have completely been the cause? We don't know, but it definitely was something that contributed to it. And so this is what we're dealing with. Next year, this thing should be healed if they manage it correctly. However, this is a very highly recurrent type of injury. So the likelihood of him playing all 16 games next year is very low. Um, he's likely going to play. Most likely the um, you know injury uh, risk is 21%. So one, he'll probably at least be out one-fifth of the season next year. I'm going to be sure to remember that heading into next year. You know, the quarterback position is one that is extremely deep. Uh, more and more leagues starting to move into that super flex. You could play two quarterbacks. Uh, but I, I, that is something that I do want to remember because I'm with you. You know, Carson Wentz, a guy who likes to get up, get outside the pocket and make plays. Sometimes he takes big, uh, takes big hits. We saw that when he tore his ACL in Los Angeles last year. It was because he was trying to run for a touchdown and die for it uh, and ultimately ended up tearing his ACL. But, yeah, he is a guy who takes a lot of hits. So you hear Doc saying that he could be expected to miss one-fifth of the season next year. It's likely because, you know, he's trying to make plays with his legs and he's taking these big hits. So pay attention. Remember that. Um, next year when we're drafting in fantasy football. Doc, I just want to ask you about a few players uh, in the NBA Greg likes to do this thing where he selfishly asks you about players on his team. I, I need to do that right now because I have Clint Capella on one of my fantasy teams and he's expected to miss the next four to six weeks with uh, with an injury to his, his right thumb. It's some kind of ligament damage. Now, did he tear a ligament in his thumb? And if so, you know, I've seen reports that, yes, it's four to six weeks, but he could potentially miss the rest of the season here. Yeah, I mean, it depends how his recovery goes. This is a, what we projected this as. It's not a tear. It's a, it's sort of a, a sprain of uh, the thumb, one of the thumb ligaments. Uh, um, you know, probably the there is an ulnar collateral ligament in his thumb, uh, and you also have a radial collateral ligament on the outside of the thumb. So, you know, uh, we're not sure which ligament this is, but you know, if this was a tear, um, he'd be missing a lot more time. I think this is a sprain. This is a grade one thumb injury, but they're just being extra precautionary. It's on a shooting hand, and obviously that is very very technical, and so they have to give enough time for it to you know basically heal. We are showing three to four weeks optimal recovery time so february the 11th is when we're showing that he'll be he should be back if he doesn't have any setbacks all right so that's right around all-star break so potentially we see him post all-star break there in the second half or shortly after hopefully because what he was doing on the court this year you know it's going to be a big void to fill uh, for fantasy owners because you know double double machine blocks a lot of shots it's just hard to come across centers on fantasy basketball right now so Clint Capella, we're rooting for you. We need you back as soon as possible. Doc, I think this is one of the most interesting injuries that we've dealt with over the past couple of years in the NBA. Isaiah Thomas, you know, since his time with the Boston Celtics, it ended kind of abruptly, traded to Cleveland, dealing with this hip injury. It seemed like he was never right last year. He was also traded to L.A. It seemed like he was never 100%. And now we haven't seen him at all this season. Mind you, you know, it's January 17th where, you know, we're two, three months into the NBA season right now. And we don't even have any updates. Like, what is going on with Isaiah Thomas? It seems like this injury has just been so cryptic. 
Yeah, it's very, very hush-hush. Um, you know, uh, we've tried to find everything uh, as much as we possibly can. What we do know, if you do have indirectly, if you do have hip surgery, uh, it's a grade four injury. And now there's a couple of things that it could be. You know, one is it uh, it could be a really, really, really bad labral tear in the hip. There is a labrum of the hip as well. So it could be a labral tear in the hip that, um, you know, uh, has to be repaired. And, you know, he probably had a few setbacks. And so this is probably why they decided to do surgery. And now he has to now the biggest thing is, is that the labrum has to heal. Um, you know, think of the hip as literally like a throwing labrum shoulder labrum like Andrew Luck. Right. And so, um, you know, this will require at least um, uh, seven, seven months of recovery. Uh, most likely we we have him coming back healthy to return on August the 25th. So it's really, really, um, one of these types of deals. Um, you know, uh, uh, the other thing that it could be is that sometimes you can have uh, a chronic problem of the hip that may be developmental, uh, you know, if there's a, that would lead to early osteoarthritis and they would have to decompress the hip joint in order to release it uh, from an athlete's standpoint. We've seen that before in athletes as well. Usually, it's interesting, usually the guys that are, you know, shorter but much more athletic, uh, like Isaiah Thomas is. So, you know, unfortunately, that's super hush hush. All we can say is that it's great for uh, it's a grade four hip. It could be a significant labral tear um, uh, that they have to repair. August the 25th is what we're looking at. Wow. So, all right. So even if we see Isaiah Thomas this year, he likely won't be 100%. I don't know if he plays at all. No. I heard it there from Doc. Uh, make sure you follow at Inside Injuries. That is Dr. A. Doc, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, guys. Uh, take care. Wish Greg a uh, healthy recovery, okay? <laughs> Greg, in the chat, he's watching, he's listening. Get well, Greg. We need you back soon. Uh, coming up next, we'll have Jim Day, Fantasy Taz, back on the line with us. Uh, we'll continue talking about this mock draft. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you're someone that needs fantasy sports advice every day, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network has you covered. When you download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app, you get the top fantasy advice every single day right through the weekend. Be sure to listen to our weekend warriors like College Football Today. Welcome to College Football Today Weekend Fantasy Update. They call me the fantasy Jesus. In this league, it is never short of exciting at ITL. And so much more. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app in the iTunes and Google Play Store now and keep the best fantasy experts right in your pocket all day long and all week long. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. 
What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy Sports Today. Tom Brady's been to 13. Like, this is their eighth straight AFC Championship so, game. Nobody's picking against you. Everybody concedes that you're great. Like, and, they're manufacturing bullet board material, and I think it's hysterical. And I know you're saying, like, I'm a Steelers fan and everything. Uh, Steelers, you can't complain because they have a lot of success. I don't know. They went to the Super Bowl eight years ago and lost. Right. And they've been to one AFC Championship game since. Tom Brady, by the way, has been to all of them since. All of them. Weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. If you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to BetDSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of, including sides, totals, and player props, where you can utilize your daily fantasy skills without salary cap constraints. You can even wager on esports, politics, and reality TV, or get an edge with live betting at BetDSI where you can wager virtually at any time during a contest capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY101 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. So head on over and open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY101 to get your 100% bonus deposit match. Jim Day, are you back? And he's gone. No Jim Day. All right, guys. Uh, well, let me know uh, when we get Jim Day on the line, if possible. Uh, if not, regardless, I still want to dive into the final couple of rounds of this mock draft that we didn't get into yesterday. We, uh, we left off at the end of the third round. You know, talked a little bit about Damian Williams going to Corey at the end of the third round at pick 311. AJ Green rounding out the third round. Uh, Jim, I was about to jump into the fourth round of this mock draft. Uh, I'm being told that you are indeed back. I'm back. He's back. He's back, everybody. All right, fourth round of this draft. Started with Kenny Galladay, Patrick Mahomes. Interesting here. Second pick of the fourth round, on Johnson, who I took, who we talked about earlier in the show. Devontae Freeman, Emmanuel Sanders, Julian Edelman, Cooper Cup, Marlon Mack, Derek Henry, Jarvis Landry, Leonard Fournette, Tariq Cohen. Jim, this is a loaded round. Uh, this, to me, this is where the draft really got interesting because you got a lot of polarizing names like there were names like in this fourth round where I really wanted to see like where were these guys going to go in the draft, and they ended up going in the fourth round. Like Pat Mahomes lasted until the fourth round. I don't know if that's just because like we're analysts and we want to wait on quarterbacks, so on and so forth. But he's not going to last to the fourth round in real drafts. Like he's going to legitimately be a second round pick come next year, uh, Jim. In, in a lot of drafts, he will. But the, you know, a, a lot of the real hardcore drafts, he'll still go fourth round or later because you know it, it's really gotten to a point where the the heavy hitters the guy that play guys that play a lot of different leagues against really tough competition it's almost got to to a point now where it's like they're all playing chicken on who's going to grab a quarterback first and they keep waiting and keep waiting and keep waiting so we'll still see him drop to you know sixth and seventh round in some drafts but uh yeah no i agree with you on, on most espn yahoo you know, any type of family or friends league or anything like that, you know, he has a chance in, in some of those to even go in the first round. Jim, I wanted to ask you about this. I know you play in a lot of PPR formats. Uh, how does that percentage look? And you play in a lot of leagues, admittedly. Um, 
How does that percentage look when it comes to like super flex and two quarterback leagues? Do you play in a lot of those formats? Because given how deep the position is, I really like playing in the super flex because, you know, it forces people to not wait on quarterbacks as much. You know, like there's just so like legitimately you could go 20, 25 players deep at the quarterback position and find guys that you could start week in and week out. To me, that lends itself to, all right, we should start transitioning more into super flex and two quarterback leagues. No, I agree. I, I played in, you know, I'd probably say, oh, probably around 20% of my leagues were probably uh, either two quarterback or super flex leagues. And I agree with you. See, when it comes to drafting, for me, anything that takes people out of their comfort zone and out of the what is considered the norm when it comes to drafting is what I like. I don't like cookie cutter drafts. I don't mm-hmm. like, you know, being able to have a cheat sheet and just go down the list and, and pick up a name and throw it in a draft. I hate drafts that are that easy um you know one of the reasons i'm dead set against you know taking tight ends out as their own position and adding them to wide receivers because then most tight ends won't even be drafted and just don't give any extra draft value at all so you know i i want things that are going to make it harder not easier jim i couldn't agree with you more with the tight end thing i see people talk about you know making the tight end position a wide receiver slash tight end flex guys we, uh, and girls, we have a flex position for a reason. Like, the flex is there so that, you know, you can start your wide receiver, running back, tight end, like, whatever additional player that you have. I mean, there have been teams that have successfully run the two tight end system in fantasy. Hell, Mike Cardano, uh, you know, here on the Fantasy Sports Network, he used to have three tight ends on his team. Now, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't condone doing that, but Jim, <laughs> taking, taking the tight end position and making it wide receiver slash tight end is just more of the same with, like, and, I, you know, I, I'm, I probably sound older than I am right now. It's very like, you know, we're giving in because, oh, it's too hard. Oh, you know, come on. We don't want to start a tight end. You know, we got to find ways to make things easier. No, shut the hell up, dude. Like, we're going to play with the tight end in fantasy. Like, if you turn the tight end into, like, wide receiver slash tight end, that is S-A-W-F-T soft, Jim. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I had to spell that out in my head as you were saying that. <laughs> um yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, again, I don't want to make it easier. I want to make it harder. Um, and, and that's, you know, if you've ever played in a league that I've started outside of the best ball type things that we threw together this year on a rush um, and any other league I've ever started, it, it's definitely not the norm. Um, you know, and I try to push it that way just because, look, the draft is the, the most fun part of doing this to me anyway. And I know a lot of people feel the same because a lot of people tell me that. So why do you want to do drafts that are all just cookie cutter drafts. Mm -hmm. Okay. This guy might be in front of that guy, this draft and then behind him in the next. Yeah, I get it. But you know, most of the rounds look pretty damn identical. Why do you want to do that? Let's have some fun, mix it up, change it up a little bit and, you know, make different positions more relevant. Yeah. And it's up to fantasy owners to try and find the next George Kittle, you know, try and find the next breakout tight end. I know like they're few and far between, but that's what makes it so fun. Like for people who drafted George Kittle in the middle rounds this year, and he ended up breaking out, like there's not a much better feeling than that, especially at the tight end position, you know, finding that guy in the middle rounds that breaks out. I mean, that's what makes this so fun and so challenging, you know, the the test of trying to find that. So I don't agree with just taking it, you know, taking out the tight end position, making it a wide receiver slash tight end. You know, you want to give more value to the tight end. I know that there are some high stakes leagues that offer one and a half points per per reception for tight ends. You know, if that's something that you want to look into, try and do something like that. Jim, I thought uh, also in this fourth round, I wanted to see where Devontae Freeman went. He ends up going in the fourth round. You know, 
just kind of like, what's your early diagnosis here on the Falcons running back situation? I personally don't expect Tevin Coleman to be back, but Edo Smith showed a little bit of something this year. Maybe he can be that Tevin Coleman, that, that, that 1B running back for the Falcons next year. How are you going to feel about Devontae Freeman? Like, is the fourth round, does that sound like fair value for him? Yeah, if he comes back fully healthy, that's absolutely fair value for him because uh, I don't expect Tevin Coleman to be back. He'll want too much money. He still wants a chance at starting, even though he didn't show anything this year that he could. He's still going to want that chance and want to get paid like it. Uh, he's going to have a hard time getting those kind of numbers. Edo Smith, I don't know if he's really there, you know, number two that could fill that Tevin Coleman role, role because we haven't really seen him involved in, in the passing game as much. And, you know, for that role, you need somebody who's going to catch some passes. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and grab somebody else. I, I still see Smith as more of a backup just to Freeman uh, on that, you know, short yardage stuff, on goal line work, things more of that nature than him, you know, being involved in, heavily in the passing game. I know Corey, the fantasy executive, has thrown out the possibility of TJ Yeldon landing there as kind of like the pass-catching running back. TJ Yeldon, a free agent, uh, so I think that certainly makes sense based on what Jim Day is saying here. The fifth round of this draft, Jim, starts with Alshon Jeffrey, Mike Williams, very interesting there, Darius Geis, Tyler Boyd, Sony Michelle, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Jarek McKinnon, Allen Robinson, and no, Kenyon Drake did not go to your boy, Chris Venture. He actually went one pick before. Chris Venture got sniped there. Uh, but Mike Williams, I know you were a big, big advocate. You were a big proponent of Mike Williams. And, you know, after that game that we saw on Thursday Night Football against the Chiefs, I put out a poll asking, you know, where do you think Mike Williams is going to get drafted next year? And I think I had the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth round as options. And then, like, uh, another option as, like, later than that. But... Here you see the early fifth round. I think that's going to make sense. I think he's going to be a guy that people are buying in on, has top 25 wide receiver potential. I don't expect Tyrell Williams to be back with this team. We'll, ex we'll see what happens there. He's a free agent. But uh, second pick of the fifth round, is this too early for Mike Williams, Jim? Uh, it might be a little early, but, you know, it, hey, look, it really comes down to if you really want him on your team, you're going to have to pay for him uh, because his value definitely is going to rise. Look, he didn't have the most consistent of years. I'm not going to argue that. Didn't have the year that I thought he would. I definitely thought he'd be more heavily involved each and every week. But he still put up decent numbers, scored a bunch of touchdowns. That's definitely not going to change and probably should increase. I do not think Tyrell Williams is back. I think he's going to be able to command a, a, a big money spot with somebody else that they won't pay him. So I don't think he'll be back. So I definitely think that helps Williams. Um, you know, but in, in this round at that point, you know, I just don't know. You know, there were a couple other guys on the board that I probably would have taken over him at that point. Um, you know, and so like it, Chris Godwin. It, That's why I said <laughs> Chris Godwin. I, I like Chris Godwin, but I, man, I'm telling you, I, I get this feeling that D Deshaun Jackson is going to be back, and that's mm. going to hurt Chris Godwin. Um, I, I I keep saying that in my head. I can't get past it. I I know all the reasons why he wants to get out. I just think Arians is going to try and pull him back in. Um, but, you know, guys like I probably would have went with Tyler Boyd there just because he yep. did have that big step-up year this year. I, I agree and with that. If A.G. Green is back next year, um, again, fully healthy, I think Boyd is in for another good year. Tyler Lockett is another guy I think I would take over him. Uh, definitely a couple of these running backs. So, to me, it may be a round too early. Uh, I expect more of a you know average draft position somewhere in the sixth round for Williams because at, at the most it's still speculation that he could still – 
provide the kind of points you want to see out of a fifth-round pick, as far as I'm concerned, because it really has to come down to Philip Rivers trusting him more and throwing him more of those 50-50 balls. Jim, Darius Geis and Jarek McKinnon, two running backs here coming off torn ACLs, respectively, uh, and... You know, Darius Geis, we got an update randomly in December that, you know, he dealt with an infection, uh, that they were kind of, like, worried about, uh, you know, his uh, his prospects for next year. But now I'm seeing, like, things going a little bit more smoothly. I think, like, he's returned to, like, running and stuff. I think he's even taken a field already. So uh, Darius Geis and Jarek McKinnon, two interesting names. You know, Jarek McKinnon, too. I think the 49ers are going to have a good problem on their hand. And, you know, fantasy, we might not love it. I could see a scenario where both of these guys, both Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breida for the 49ers, being fantasy viable. We've seen it with Kyle Shanahan in the past, right? We were were just talking about Freeman and Tevin Coleman together. I think he's going to have something similar here with Matt Breida and Jarek McKinnon. Oh, absolutely. Look, going into this season, everybody was so high on McKinnon because he was supposed to be the big, you know, share guy in San Francisco. I didn't see it just because he's not built that way. He is definitely, you know, a... 1A type of guy where he's a pass catching back mostly, and that's what you're going to see. And don't get me wrong, in a Kyle Shanahan offense, you'd love to have that pass catching back. Um, Breida showed enough that he's going to still get early down work, uh, a lot of goal line work. So for McKinnon, it's really going to become that, you know, that mainstay guy where he's, you know, getting six, you know, five, six targets a game. Uh, and putting up numbers that way. And, you know, if he gets fully healthy, then he's going to do well in that offense in that way. I, I can see him easily catching 70 balls in that offense because we know uh, that Shanahan loves to get it to his running backs out of the, out of the backfield. So, uh, I don't, you know, both of those picks are, are good picks in the fifth. I don't think they're going to last till the fifth once we get into real drafting season, especially as we start to get more updates on where they are health-wise. Jim, I'm going to sign off YouTube now. For everyone watching or listening, make sure that you subscribe to the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page. Give us a thumbs up. Leave us a comment about the videos, the shows. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, If you're listening on demand on iTunes, Google Play, so on and so forth, make sure you subscribe there. Uh, Leave us a comment. Give us five stars. We really, really do appreciate it. The DailyRoto.com partnership is back with Daily uh, with Data Golf for 2019. With all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools, check out the all new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities, and simulator outright and top 20 market betting tools, head to head and three ball betting tools. PGA Pro Tip, Subscriber Chat, and more. Go to dailyroto.com, click on Go Premium, choose Golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's dailyroto.com, click on Go Premium, click on Golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. Jim, the final round here, the sixth round that we did, Mark Ingram, Calvin Ridley, Doug Baldwin, Jordan Howard, James White, James Washington, Cortland Sutton, Will Fuller, Andrew Luck, Corey Davis, Christian Kirk, and Robbie Anderson. Jim, I know a player that you were targeting in this round, and he went one pick before you, was James Washington. And look, a lot's going to happen between now and next year, but when Antonio Brown is traded, not if, because at this point I do think he's going to get traded, James Washington is going to be one of these guys that shoots up draft boards. Like, you're not going to be able to get him in the sixth round. We've seen for years now, Jim, that the Steelers have been able to develop wide receivers. They just know how to draft them. Uh, They develop them well. I mean, going back to the days of, like, Heinz Ward, Antonio Holmes, uh, Mike Wallace, 
Remember, they drafted Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown. They drafted Juju. Martavis Bryant was fine when he was in Pittsburgh. James Washington could be the next man up you know, in to fill that role. If Antonio Brown is gone, Juju moves up. He's the wide receiver one. That means James Washington is the wide receiver two. I think he'll end up going higher than the sixth round. Yeah, at this point, it's all speculation you know mm-hmm. that's what we're all doing here so that's fine um and, and you're right if he gets into that number two role look he, he he had a great preseason uh came into the season with some high expectations didn't quite meet up to that the team like basically benched him gave him some extra practice off to the side worked hard with him for a couple of weeks and they say that he came out of that making some you know some more smart moves and starting to learn the offense a little better so that's going to be a big part of it uh, if he continues on that trend, then he will be the number two. And like you said, they, they've consistently made you know top wide receivers in this offense, no matter who it is. And it, again, same thing with the running backs. His system just promotes good offense, and these guys put up good points. So, you know, in in the sixth round at this point, I would have easily taken James Washington if he was there, just on the speculation alone. Uh, but if it you know continues, and as we start to get more information on Brown and What's going to happen there? You're right. I think he moves up a little. Do I think he moves up into like the fourth round? No, I don't think he does that. I think the fifth round would be, you know, probably the tops he's going to see unless something major happens. Two other wide receivers that just caught my eye that I thought were interesting in this round. Will Fuller, you heard from Dr. A earlier on in the show that he does expect Will Fuller to be healthy come training camp. Uh, and then Christian Kirk, um, going to be the, the the slot wide receiver. We'll see if Larry Fitzgerald comes back for the Cardinals, but... Uh, we do know that dating back to his days at college, Cliff Kingsbury works wonders with slot wide receivers. Jim, we only got about a minute left. Uh, what's on tap for the rest of your Thursday? Uh, you know, outside of the fantasy football frenzy, uh, you got like a little thirsty Thursday thing going on tonight, or you know, nothing special? Uh, no, actually, I got a, a couple projects I'm working on, and I need to get finished, uh, in, including a, a project that we're going to be working on with Scott Angle starting next week um, for the frenzy show. So. You know, got got a lot of that to do. I got more baseball reading to do. So it'll be a lot of reading today. Jim Day's got a lot to do. He's working on projects with Scott Angle. Uh, Jim, God bless your soul, working with Scott Angle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he's also reading the Black Book and getting ready for fantasy baseball season. We'll have a little bit of that coming up for you next week. I want to thank Jim Day, Fantasy Taz. Coming up next, Fantasy Football Frenzy with Corey Parson, Jim, and Chris Ventura. Stay classy, fantasy owners. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network.